together to Mark chapter 11, the triumphal entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem and all that Palm Sunday is, it's, it's found in all four Gospels, and I had a hard, kind of a hard time picking which, which one to go from tonight, because each writer brings out some different things, and so I, I landed on Mark, I may reference some of the others, but... Uh, so Palm Sunday, is a, it's a big deal, um, and I want us as a congregation, as, as disciples, I want us to, to really, like to, when we see that Palm Sunday is coming, we want to know what that means, and not just like, isn't that when they like wave branches at him or something, you know? Uh, I want to move from like, didn't they wave branches at him or something, into like just more and more deep, you know, understandings of exactly what today is all about, and what we're celebrating and why. Um, and so each year it's kind of had a, there's been kind of just a different emphasis that God's brought to us, you know, together on Sundays. Um, and you know, this year is, is the same way. And so, um, last, you know, last week was pretty, uh, what I described as just kind of like, I didn't have any like organized points and it was just kind of, you know, whatever. And so I told all the note takers, if you like bullet points and stuff, I'm sorry. Well, if you like them, then like tonight's really good. Cause I have like three big points. And there's even subpoints, and it's just going to be your notes are going to look awesome at the end of this. Um, so there's there's three, and I want to I really just want to look at the intentionality behind everything about this little story. Um, it seems like I mean it's just like a you know it's not 74 verses long, and it's not you know whatever, and it's not preached about throughout the year. It's like this is the one Sunday when we talk about it. But it doesn't mean it's insignificant at all. It holds a ton of significance. So let's, let's look at the, at the way that Mark describes it. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street. And they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told him what Jesus had said and they let him go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. And he sat on it, and many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And so there it is. So Jesus rides in on a donkey, and everybody goes crazy. And then he goes home. And that's it. So what is the, what's the big deal about Palm Sunday? Let me give you three of these things. Um, 
looking at the intentionality uh, that is happening here. All right. Um, the the first one is that we see, we see very intentional action on on behalf of Jesus. Sometimes uh, it it seems almost as though a story like this. It's like okay, so Jesus like just kind of rode in and everybody like just responded or whatever. No, Jesus was intentionally creating this moment. It was like totally on purpose, completely on purpose. Um, and uh, he's fulfilling this prophecy about the Messiah. And so Jesse's going to put Zechariah 9, 9 up. This is what he was doing on purpose. Um, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Okay? So a foal is like a year, it's like less than a year old, okay? So this is one of, like one of those messianic prophecies that the entire Jewish community was fully aware of, that this was like a big deal, that at some point the king was going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, and the instruction was to shout and rejoice. So what Jesus was doing is he was like, you know, he knew the prophecy, he wrote the prophecy, but he knew from living in the world that everybody knew that this was going to be one of the signs that the Messiah has come. And so he was like, okay, time to get the young donkey for me to ride in. Sometimes I think we think that prophecy is like, uh, it's like, uh, like predicting something that's like accidentally happens and everybody's like, whoa, just everybody gets the chills because they're just like, remember the prophecy? No, Jesus was manipulating the events on purpose. The prophecy says that the king is going to come into Jerusalem on a donkey, so I'm going to go get a donkey, I'm going to ride into Jerusalem. And the prophecy said that when that happens, everybody's going to shout and rejoice. And so everything here was planned. It was on purpose. When I say manipulate, I don't mean that in the way that you and I manipulate. Maybe a better word is like orchestrate. This is the first of a series of dominoes, basically it's all lined up, and he's like, I'm going to push the first one over. Now, Jesus was not the first first person to do this, you know? So, if this is a prophecy that people have been believing for years, there there were just no telling how many guys out there claimed to be the Messiah over the years. And there are historical accounts of plenty of these dudes rolling into town on a donkey. And they come in, and everybody does exactly what that verse says. They rejoice, and they shout, and they're like, Our king is here. He's riding into Jerusalem. And, uh, and, but none of them had ever delivered. It's just one false prophet after another. And so what makes Jesus different? Well, a number of things make Jesus different. One of them, though, is that there's, there's like uh, over 300 prophecies about the Messiah in, you know, in the Old Testament. And Jesus is 100% on fulfilling them. 100%. So some joker can be like, I'm going to get me a donkey right into town, see if people make me king. Okay, that's fine. He's got like 290 some prophecies to go to fulfill it. Jesus controlled this one. Jesus did not control uh, like where he was born. That was one of the prophecies. He was born in Bethlehem. That there would be a star. That he would be of the lineage of David. There's like all these things that he could not control. 
So some people get hung up on it like, oh, Jesus, just a, he's just another one of these guys trying to take power. It's like, no, he's the guy who um, fulfilled this prophecy and hundreds of other ones as well. Like he, nobody else did that. So Jesus doing this on purpose is a strategic move for him. It's very much intentional. He's fulfilling this prophecy. Um, and the reason he's doing this is he is announcing his kingship. I'm saying, I'm, I am the king. That's what it says. Rejoice. Uh, behold, your king is coming to you. Your king is going to ride into Jerusalem. He's, he's basically coming and saying, all right, I'm, I'm here. And so that's the point, and that's why he orchestrates and manipulates all these things. He's going to this prophecy, and he's saying it's time for that one to come true. All these other ones have come true. This is the next one in a sequence. Uh, it's time for this one. Uh, let's go get the donkey. Let's ride it in. Even the intentionality of his actions, like even down to the fact that the animal was young, the fact that he said, he, you, know, you notice that he t- tells him, go into the village in front of you. As soon as you enter, you'll find a colt. Untie it. It's completely on purpose. Like everything about this Palm Sunday event, this triumphal entry, it's all on purpose. All the actions, all of it on purpose. So that's the first point. Okay? The actions were intentional. The second, the second point is that the timing was intentional. Um, in, I believe it's in John's account, he talks about all the people that had gathered there in the city for the festival. And so this is, this is Passover. So the timing of all of this, like Jesus picked the time when the most people will be packed into Jerusalem. So that more, like there'd be just tons of people that would like see this, witness this, participate in this, hear about this. The timing was, was of, it's just very, very important. It's not random at all. It's absolutely intentional. Um, the Passover is when it's the celebration of, of the exodus, of uh, being freed from slavery in, in Egypt and you know, the Red Sea crossing, all that, like all of that, that's what Passover celebrates. And so, of course, Jesus would pick Passover to roll in and say, hey, I'm the king. A celebration that it's basically all about freedom. And here Jesus shows up and he's like, I'm the king that's here to free you. The timing was absolutely, absolutely on purpose. His kingship until this point was not something that he flaunted. You might remember stories where Jesus would heal someone and he would be like, hey, don't, uh, don't really go and like, tell a bunch of people who I am. It was just kind of a part of how he conducted things. He was obedient, followed the Lord around. I mean, followed the Lord, <laughs> followed the Lord around Israel, uh, healing, teaching, um, you know, getting the, the church ready, uh, growing it, like deeper in his own humanity, like we talked about last week, experiencing all kinds of things that would make him. Uh, an effective intercessor and wonderful counselor and all those kind of things, being perfected through suffering, like it says in Hebrews 2. He went through doing all these things, but he never was walking like, hey, by the way, I'm the king. I'm the one you're waiting on. A couple weeks, I'm riding on a donkey. It's going to be awesome. He never did that. He picked this moment to announce his kingship. There's a, a phrase that the 
the writers of the Bible use in, called the fullness of time. You know, it's basically saying like at just the right time, at just the proper moment, things happen. And that's what this is. Palm Sunday is about the perfect timing of the sovereignty of God and saying today is the day everybody knows exactly who Jesus is. Because he's going he's gonna to roll into Jerusalem like a king. And that's what the palm branches are about and the cloaks on the ground. That's what all that, that's how you treat a king. And they're shouting things that you shout at the king. This is about him announcing his kingship. For some reason, up until this moment, it wasn't time, and now it's time. And there's another thing that I was reading about the other day. That uh, So Passover, okay, so Passover this year in 2013 starts at sundown tomorrow, on Monday. And uh, so what happens on Sunday, before Passover, and it would have been the same then, uh, is on Sunday, the family goes and picks out the sacrificial lamb for their family to be slaughtered later in the week. So this was the day everybody's trying to get to Jerusalem and a part of what you're trying to do is you're, you're scurrying around trying to pick out the lamb that you want to be able to get to a point where you say, that's the one, that's the lamb right there for us. And so here Jesus comes in and everybody's saying, Hosanna, save us. You are our Savior. Hosanna in the highest. Salvation from the, high, the heights, literally, from the heavens. On the day when they're going to pick out their sacrificial lamb. That, that ain't coincidence. That's intentional timing. That's God orchestrating and manipulating things. Working all things together the way that He does. The triumphal entry was completely on purpose. And so, um, that's the second point. Brings us to the, to the third point. And you are thinking, man, he's going fast. I am. There is, a, there is an intentional impact that was made from this. So the actions were intentional, the timing was intentional. Both of those things were happening to make a very intentional impact in a number of different ways. Um, so here's a couple of them. Let's look again. Uh, look at verse 8. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. You don't need to turn anywhere. Let me, I want to read the other accounts. It won't be on the screen because I just decided to do this. Here's a, this is in Luke. This is in Luke 19 if you want to look at it later on. Um, Verse 37, verse 36 says, As he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole, listen to this, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Verse 
Here's Matthew. Matthew 21. Verse 8 says, Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! There's little nuances in those different accounts. But once Jesus gets on the donkey and he starts coming in, it's like, uh, I was thinking about it, it's like, uh, some of y'all are too young to appreciate this, but you know at the end of the movie, uh, The Usual Suspects, when uh, Chaz Palminteri is talking, and he's like recounting this stuff, and he's realizing that like, the story had been told to him the whole movie, and it's all been stuff off the bulletin board behind him, but it's this great moment where it's like all these pieces of the puzzle just start like coming together in this dialogue, and they're flashing, and all of a sudden it all comes together, and you're like, no! <laughs> It's awesome. <laughs> and I think that's kind of what this was like. You know? Like, I think they're like, they're coming down the Mount of Olives, and Jesus is like, go up there to that village, get, there's a young donkey or whatever, go get him. And they're like, what? He's like, just do it. If might gives you a problem, tell him that the Lord needs it. Not tell him Jesus of Nazareth needs it. Not tell him my rabbi needs it. Just tell him the Lord needs it. And uh, so they're like, oh, okay. We've never said that before, you know? We've never had permission to go and say that before. And so maybe they're walking ahead and they get to that donkey and they're on time and they're walking back and they're like, you think this is, you think this is Zechariah 9 9? Not that they knew the verse, but you know what I'm saying? You think this is, the, like, no, probably not. He's probably just, he's probably tired, you know? So maybe, like, he comes and, and they're like, maybe some of them have already, like, started the, piece of puzzle together, like, oh man, they start taking their cloaks off, and they're laying them on there, and he starts coming in, and, and maybe it's one of those moments where everything starts coming together, wait a minute, he's from here, this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and maybe, maybe all the pieces are coming together, and they're like, this is the guy, this is the guy, and it just evokes this in them, and and it says in Luke's account that, that the disciples began to recall all the things that they had seen. And this is just a moment where we're like, this is it. Zechariah 9.9 is happening right now, and we are here. And the cloaks on the ground, that's what you did when a king came in. You know? And the palm branches represented, it was Jewish, it was like this, this national victory, it was this symbol of things. And so as he's coming into Jerusalem, more and more people are being like, wait, this is, this is happening, this is happening. And and there's, you know, they're like, who is it? That's Jesus of Nazareth. That's who it is. And this and this and this. Maybe this is one of those moments where the timing and the actions were designed to have a certain impact on the crowd. It was designed to like, work them into this worshipful frenzy, realizing that's, that the cries of Hosanna, someone save us, had been answered. And now it was the other side of Hosanna saying, he's the one that's going to save us. It was all on purpose for the crowd to completely flip out. And they were. And it was awesome. And yeah, they kind of were kind of missing the point. Okay. But it's designed to have a very specific impact on the crowd. It was also designed to have a, a very intentional impact on the religious and political leaders. Like Jesus was really, he was... <laughs> He was almost like, here's another movie reference. Remember in Braveheart when they're like got the two 
Army's lined up. And he's like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to pick a fight. Jesus was, he was going to basically pick a fight. Not in a weird way, in an awesome way. Jesus sets in motion his own death in, in this moment. He does this to freak out the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious leaders and all the political leaders and everyone that, that wasn't very threatened by this like carpenter kid from Nazareth or whatever. And like, yeah, he's doing some stuff, whatever. But it's different when this joker rolls into town fulfilling that prophecy and everybody's going crazy over it. I believe it was Tim Keller that said it this way. He said, Jesus riding into, the, into Jerusalem sent a message that said, you better kill me. You better kill me. So the role that Palm Sunday plays in, in part is it is the setting in motion of Holy Week. It's Jesus saying, now's the time. I'm going to go pick a fight. And it's going to get me killed for the very people who will kill me. And so you know, this happens on Sunday, and um, I'm going to, hopefully, if all goes well, uh, I've done it the last couple of years, put on Twitter, and maybe on Facebook, we'll see, just the events of each day of, of the week. Because this happens, and then some stuff happens on Tuesday, on Monday, and on Tuesday, Wednesday, <coughs> Thursday, and then, of course, Friday. You know? And on Friday night, here in, in the uh, auditorium here, whatever you call this, room. Uh, we'll, have, we'll, have a, uh, we'll have a service of sorts. And I know some of you have been, you know, the last couple of years. And let me just, let me tell you what will happen in that, that deal. Uh, from six to seven, there's, it's just going to be open for prayer and there'll be some stuff that you can read. Um, and it's, you know, I don't know it's, it's a serious deal. And so we're going to take it seriously. And so from six to seven, it's kind of a it's a self led time. You you know if you can't get here till six forty five, then come at six forty five. It's kind of come and go, whatever. Um, but you will lead yourself through this deal, and, uh, and then at seven we'll have like a 30, 30, 35 minute time of some scripture will be read, and we'll kind of just we'll kind of walk through what would be happening, you know, the, the events of the day, you know, and stuff. And uh, one of the things we started doing this when we were at the BCM, and you know, in their chapel, and it's kind of you know, kind of kind of long room with some stained glass or whatever. And the first year that we did it, it was, I was like, we should really time it to where, like, there's no there's no light in the room. It's just natural light in the room, so that as the sun goes down and the darkness sets in, like it's being timed out with us in a literal way. Because the light of the world has gone out, you know. And so I remember the first year that we did it, like, it was, you're like, oh, we'll see how this goes. And, like, we, like, walked out. Nobody really talked for, like, 20 minutes. We were like, ugh. Because you're sitting in a room, and it's, like, lit up, and then it gets darker and darker and darker, and you're reading about the crucifixion and death. And then, you know, there's, like, a communion time where there's, like, a single candle or whatever, and then there's, like, it's com- completely dark. And we blow out that candle, and we walk out, and you're like, this is what happened. Like the light of the world left, and so I would encourage you to be here on Friday if you can. You know, we'll have childcare and stuff, or we're trying to. You know, um, and then Sunday we celebrate the resurrection, and so Palm Sunday sets in motion this 
this, this deal that goes from Jesus is the, he is the most popular guy in the whole city to he's like hated and betrayed and murdered in front of everyone because they didn't meet his expectations. And this is Jesus pushing over that first domino. He's saying, I'm ready, let's do this. Um, it's made to have an intentional impact on... Uh, so I talked about the crowd, the religious leaders and political leaders. Um, it, had a, it had an impact on Jesus himself. Let me read you this. In Luke's account of this... Uh, Luke has a chronological approach to things. Right after it, after this account, it says, and Jesus, When he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. He's saying, I wish that you knew exactly what it was going to cost to bring peace to you. But you don't know. Like you just, you don't see it. You don't get it. And he weeps over the people. So I think the intentional actions and the intentional timing were supposed to have an intentional impact on Jesus too. It impacted the crowd and the political scene and the religious leaders, but also it drove him to just cry. Because they're cheering him on. They're like, you're the king, you're the king. And he's like, you don't even know. Because they thought it was all political and that... You know, Israel was going to rise to like this, be this big dominant military political power and all this kind of stuff. And they thought he was the one to overthrow Rome. I mean, there's just all this stuff to it. And he's just weeping because he's like, if you only knew the real bondage that you were under. If only you knew what it was going to cost to bring peace to you. And he's just, he's just crying. I love that so much. That Jesus just cried. He wasn't crying because his feelings were going to be hurt. Or he was scared of the pain, the physical pain or whatever. I think he's crying because he's like, he just, oh. I think he, there was just, it was just such a deep moment, I believe. And I think God the Father orchestrated this whole deal, manipulated all this stuff, not only for the crowd and the political stuff. I think it was for him too. I think he wanted Jesus to be incredibly sad in this moment. To keep in perspective exactly what Friday was all about. And also what Sunday was all about. So this is a big moment. Another one, let me tell you one more. It might seem kind of strange. I think it's supposed to have a big impact on the donkey. Would you like me to explain? (laughs) I'm okay leaving it at that. Think Think about this for a second. He goes, he says, go get a donkey that's less, get one that's less than a year old. I'm going to ride it. And that's what he says in the account. There's a donkey on which no one has ever sat. It's unbroken. Not only is he going to ride it, which any of you who've ever like, been around like, you know, horses and stuff like that know like, that doesn't happen. Not only is he going to ride it, he's going to ride it through a crowd that's screaming and throwing things in front of it and waving branches. <laughs> Podcasters to be like, what? And yet, nowhere in the account is like, and then Jesus got thrown, you know? 
He went three and a half seconds, and then it was over with. He was like, no. <laughs> he rode it all the way into the city. Like, how does that happen? Well, here's, here's how it happens. Are you ready? This is foreshadowing the new earth. That this donkey knew who his master was in this moment. And all the, the craziness and all that kind of stuff, there's this, this element of, of true shalom between Jesus and His creation in this moment, riding through this city. And all these dumb humans, they don't really understand who He is, but here's this donkey, and He's like, this is my true Master. I obey Him. And people are waving stuff and they're screaming stuff, but it doesn't matter because this is my Creator. And we are we're in tune So there's a peace in the middle of it. Maybe Jesus was crying because he's like, this donkey even gets it. And the people are clueless. So I think it's all on purpose. It has this impact. And then the last one, let me give you some things really quickly. I think it's supposed to have an impact on us when we read it. You know, like, I think we're supposed to not be like, oh, what a, what a, what a cute little story. Like, oh, what a... What a thing that makes a cool scene in a Christmas pageant, you know, or an Easter pageant. Um, it's supposed to impact us. So let me give you, I'll give you three. I can give you more. I'll give you three. Jesus set all this in motion on purpose. Willingly. Like, I think that's some of what I believe God has been stirring in us through Sundays, and, but especially through community groups, going through Isaiah 53. Like, I think the willingness of Jesus in all this. You know, when, when Jesus says, no one takes my life from me, I give it willingly. Like, I'm, I do this. That Jesus is the one that said, go get the donkey. It's time to roll into Jerusalem and bring this prophecy about, I'm going to pick a fight that will lead to my death, and it's going to be this insane moment, but I want to do it for all these people that I love so much, I'm going to cry over the fact, I'm just going to weep over the fact that they're missing it. But for the joy set before him, he endured all of this. So he did it willingly. And I think, I think it's supposed to have an impact on us that on Palm Sunday, he pushed the first domino over on purpose. Not because God the Father made him, twisted his arm, or anything like that. Because he said, no, I want to. I want to do this. I think the second thing... Notice he doesn't rebuke the crowd. Like Jesus was good at rebuking, and he was really good at rebuking like the Pharisees, like the religious leaders. Like he tore them up. But he rides through this crowd who's they're kind of missing. They're kind of missing it. I mean, they're kind of getting some of it, but they're kind of missing some of it. Notice like he doesn't like. He's like, oh, I'm gonna wait till they get it. I'm not. Go- I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pre- like unveil my kingship until like everybody is like completely there. He's like, no, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to wait for that. I'm going to die so that they will get it. I'm not going to wait for them. And I think for us sometimes, you know, you kind of get that feeling like, man, i gotta really got to get my stuff together. And Jesus is not sitting there with his arms crossed being like, well, until you get your stuff together, don't even bother coming to me. He rode right through the middle of a crowd that wasn't quite there yet. Because he knew, because he gets it. He's, he's fine. He understands. He accepted the praise of this crowd just like they were. But he also knew you're not going to stay like this. You know? You're not going to... I mean, yeah, you're going to be 
yelling, crucify him in a couple of days, but it's okay, I'm going to die for you anyway. And a lot of you are going to be walking the new earth being like, man, remember that time? I was like, this? you know, he's like, yeah, I know, I know. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't look at us and say, until you get your stuff together, you can't come to me. He says, no, come just like you are. You just don't expect to stay like you are, because that's, that's not how this works. You come on, just like you are. I'll make you like me. That's how it is. And the, third, the third thing is just, the, I think, the, the truly sovereign nature of his kingship. That all this stuff, like all these different things that I've put in there, just put it all in a bowl and call it intentional, all of it. That's how he, that's just who he is. He's sovereign over all of it. He's completely in control and knowing, and he is obedient to the Father, and it's the timing and it's the actions, and he just gets it all right all the time. And he is our Lord, like he's the one over us. I think when it says that the disciples began to like respond to all that they had seen and heard, I think that's the nature of what we do. I think we look at this and we're like, oh my goodness. I think it's supposed to have that kind of impact on us where we're just, you're just blown away. And you just shake your head. And there's so many times in community group this semester, when we, last couple of weeks going through Isaiah 53, when I'm just like, I just like I don't I can't even believe that this is real. It's just it's like too good to be true, but it's completely true. And it's completely good. And so I think that Palm Sunday is supposed to have a just a mega impact on us. To see his goodness and to see his willingness and see his sovereignty over all things and his compassion to us and it's just such a great demonstration of who He is. And so let's pray together and we will sing a little bit in response. And let's just, let's just sit there for a minute and just really just reflect on, on all these things, His sovereignty and His willingness and His, his the goodness of our God and our King. Lord, I thank you that you don't uh, you don't rebuke us for the ways that we are still struggling to really get it completely, and for that invitation to come to you when we are weary and burdened, and the offer of rest and peace that you invite us into that 
relationship with you where you guide and you you comfort, you correct some things, you you set things right side up. We thank you, God, for your willingness to do all this, to, to set into motion the things that bring us peace and healing. And Lord, like the like your disciples on the way in, the ones who began to to realize some things and, and respond to all that they had seen and heard. Lord, I pray that we would do that very thing, not only tonight, but that throughout Holy Week and in Good Friday and on Sunday, Lord, that we would we just have at the front of our minds the significance of all that you have done for us. And as we sing together tonight, and it may be the same way. We love you, Father. We pray this all in your name. Amen.